wow, you broke our secret tooth fairy code of trust. So yeah. now suddenly people so are gonna now, believe there's a tooth fairy. So now you have to go. Now you have to go straight to hell. And they literally, she's on the elevator and it's carrying her down into the fire. And then she wakes up and she's back on Earth because she's been given another chance at life because they decided <sighs> on second thought. Maybe they'll just give her one more shot. Up until that last part, I was like, this movie fucking rules. And then the second chances. So anyway, we're talking about this because this episode sucked. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nick. Oh. <laughs> I'm Kyle. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. We're watching all the Big Bang episodes, trying to figure out what it's about, why people watch it. And today I don't have a good answer to that question because it was a stinker and Kyle and I really had a hard time with it. This is So we're trying because we recognize that we have a responsibility to provide reliable, consistent entertaining products something that apparently the people who make this show do not feel to the same degree yeah but part of the uh what we talked about just before starting the episode is we also have a hard time identifying why this episode was so lame and i guess before we try to pick it apart i'm just going to jump right into my quick summary which is uh raj gets himself recognized for as a 30 under 30 for some sort of a discovery of a small planetoid that had you know previously been undiscovered and this uh this chaps Sheldon's ass because he's obviously the one who should be getting all credit for everything ever and he doesn't understand how Raj accidentally finding this thing is a worthy achievement his the other the rest of the gang teaches him that you have to be supportive as a friend even if you're unhappy you grin and bear it but then what ends up happening is it all immediately goes to Raj's head. Raj's head, he turns into a massive dick. Uh, he does his thing where he can only talk to women if he drinks. So he drinks. He asks Penny out to his 30 for thir- thirty under 30 gala. Uh, and he gets too drunk and tries to make a move on her. And she's not into it and storms out. And at the very end, he overcomes his inability to speak just to let out a squeaky little, sorry, that's almost... Everything that happens. No, that's literally the whole episode. All right, so one thing to open with is the episode opens with a completely, uh, uh, very conspicuous, gratuitous Wallowitz being a creep thing. Like, it, Wallowitz and the crew are all having dinner, Penny's there, and she hands him some dumplings, and he says, oh, I'll have, I'll have some of those dumplings. And I'm not just talking about the Chinese food. Which, what is he talking about then? Is he saying to Penny... I'll have some of your tits or what other is she, is she generally dumplings? Is she just a, a, a delicious morsel in a thin white wrapper? What is it? I don't know. So that's the start. And then when uh, Penny's creeped out, uh, Wallowitz, uh, well, she says, Hey, you're being creepy. And he asks, good, creepy or bad, creepy, which the joke is that creepy is bad. No matter what I take issue with that because Maybe it's because, as uh, I, has been pointed out to me by another coworker, I happen to be into what he would describe as the freak subculture. And so I think there is a good creepy, bad creepy distinction. What makes someone good? Like, when in, in your life have you ever been like, man, guy's such a good creep? No, I'm not saying like, I. well, I'm, I'm thinking like mostly what well, Wallowitz here wanted to be a potential romantic partner. Like, I've had that question the same way as like, so the girl that keeps referring to herself as a sociopath, is that good, creepy, or bad, creepy? The woman who took a dead bird home with her because she wanted to do an experiment on it, is that good, creepy, or bad, creepy? Those are legitimate questions I've had to ask, and those are both real things. No, I mean, I... I don't know. I don't know what kind of ladies you're into, well, or dudes, or what your life is about. 
Well, I just creepy is not the. But now I feel like I. It's time for a little Kyle oversharing moment. Oh boy, I'm not gonna sing a song. <laughs> you know, you just killed it right there. If you'd, I. The silence is how I appreciate whatever you're about to tell me. So, I was I was in an improv class. Mm, this is bad, creepy. <laughs> no, I was just talking. You know, it was an amateur improv class. Everyone there was like so much more talented than me at their lives in ways that had nothing to do. So I was like, it wasn't like one of these where like all the people in the class were like trying to be professional improvers. Mm -hmm. They're all like, no, I'm a, I'm a literary agent or I'm an accomplished, you know, classical pianist. And I swear to God, one of them was actually like a trained astronomer from MIT. And I was like, and he was fucking funnier than me. So these are, but at the same time, these are a bunch of nerds who like took an improv class because they don't know how to respond to people at parties then. I mean, whatever. Some of them seem perfectly, but yeah, they were just like, they were just like, yeah, it, it's, well, I think it's more like they moved, had recently moved to LA and because everybody in LA who thinks they're unique is actually just the same boring asshole was like, now that you're in LA, you got to take one of these improv classes. And they didn't know enough to know yet that that's just something you ignore, which is how I ended up in an improv class. And look at you now. Yeah. Hanging out in the basement with me, talking about a show that neither of us liked. Anyway, one of them was a doctor. Like, an, like a just straight up, straight up doctor. I, I say that like it's... You're, uh, you're so concerned that people have lives outside of this comedy class. Well, it was just, it was like, and, and uh, particularly a doctor specializing in the, in the care of the terminally ill. Oh, so he was a bad doctor. No. <laughs> because well, all of his patients are dying, right? Like, come no, on. No, it was a she, on. and she was fairly good oh. at She was fairly good at her – I mean, I don't know. I assume she was good at her job. How but, can you be bad at that job? Well, she was specifically talking one day about, you know, California just passed some new euthanasia laws. And pretty soon, it, we're going to be like other states where there's a little pill – that you administer to people and they and they say, yes, I understand that this will kill me and that I am terminally ill and I, you know, I meet the legal requirements and whatever. And I would like to die now because I'm in so much pain. Give me the pill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she's like, and I just took a class because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get to administer those pills to people. And I'm super excited about it. And like the way her eyes lit up when she was talking about handing over the life snuffing capsule of death. Yes. To these people in their last moments was the most attracted I had ever been to another human being in my entire life. And it set off so many conflicting feelings inside me. It was so much. God, this, this is the latest in a series of you like looking at me with shock and disbelief for some random thing I say. And then almost immediately recognizing <laughs> that. I just, you, maybe maybe the real purpose of this show is for me to help you be more honest with yourself because you 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 got Chubb at a murderer. That's what she is. She's a murderer. She's she's a doctor that only cares for people that are about to die, and she was excited that she had a way to do it more quickly. Like that's oh, I mean, she's probably I bet she was cute, right? She was ridiculously ridiculously attractive. Yeah. Well, I mean, but never more so than in that particular moment. But but the question still is: Is that good creepy or bad creepy? Because it's definitely attractive. <laughs> but is it something you could live with? Yeah. Well, yes, but I'm not the, because nobody else can. <laughs> see, yeah, you're being. I feel like you're being too relativistic about this because I think creepy, too relativistic between the words good and bad. 
Yes. What? 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 Cre- I think creepy is all, like from a societal perspective. If we murdered all the creeps, society would be better off. It's just that the creeps themselves would be more unhappy. So none, neither of us deserves but to how live the creeps and in- should be murdered. Really, for the sake of like, if there's a if if you're really going to do the purge the right way, you would start with all the creeps. They would be killed. Then all the nice normal people would inherit the earth. So maybe maybe we have to have the fine distinction between creepy and a creep. All right, because the guy that has to keep getting up to on the bathroom to go to the bathroom on an airplane, but doesn't really go into the bathroom, he just like wants to rub his ass and dick on the people that he has to move past. That's a creep, but he might not be creepy. He might be a perfectly like charming guy. It might be. So, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It was really dumb of me to assume that the word creepy meant the. If you are to adjectively make you a creep. But see, here's the thing. If you're saying I'm being too relative about it, when we're talking about levels of creepy and good and bad creeps and the fact that it's an adjective. You just agreed there are no good creeps. No, they didn't. I was trying to say the difference between someone who's creepy and someone who's like a fucking pervert, like a creep. Like the girl, the, the, the lady, the doctor, sounds like she's creepy. She loves killing people. That's pretty creepy. But then, yes, where does it fall on the creepy range? Because, like, you could have two different people who both like collecting fingers, and then you have to really get into their motivations for why they collect the fingers. And also, hate to say it, big consideration, <laughs> how's the face? You know, like, that's that all. And, like, that's a genuine thing about creepiness, too. It's like, it is a, a physical characteristic. Someone could be, like, a perfectly nice person, but they just have a look that's not right about them. And you can know nothing. They could be a wonderful, they could be a saint. And you see him sitting alone at a diner and you're like, that dude has definitely fucked dogs. Like that's because they just look that way. And that's, it's, it's all relative. And so to like say that there's some sort of objective, cre- what's well, your good deal? and bad? It's like, that's a scale. You have to make decisions. All right. Do you, do you want to scale? Well, I'm saying issue? creepy is one end of a spectrum on which the other end is not creepy at all, is wholesome or something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, how about this? If we want and more everybody range, should let's say, strive to be wholesome and not creepy. Let's say above a 5.5 is good, below a 5.5 is bad. What do you want? I'm sorry I wasn't nuanced enough in trying to categorize people. I don't be, know. Because this is an important particular – when we're talking about how people come off and how uncomfortable they make other people and whether they're being deliberate about it. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's yeah. It is a complicated conversation, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just saying. I've never heard creepy used in a positive context, except. Well, you're not hanging out with enough spooky babes. With I will get. I guess I will say, uh, the Adams family, who are the only people who I know who being creepy and kooky, well, mysterious, that's, that's and spooky, altogether ooky is. That's because they've got absolutely this, wonderful. Well, that's because they've got the mysterious, spooky, kooky, and ooky all going for them. That's just like in addition to the creepy. So that's. But I guess that's part of how people are multifaceted. But that, what is it? Because, like, the word creep just – okay, we're not getting – I'm sorry. I'm about to lose us all in Let's Let's move on because this this will be a thing we have to wonder about. Anyway, Wallowitz. Wallowitz is, a, is a, a, I guess we would agree, a bad creep. A bad creep. I think we could – He deserves to be creep shamed. I think we could really get Do you know about the, creep shaming? No. So creep shaming is not a real – well, it's – Arguably, a re- creep shaming. Are, are you about to ask me if I didn't know about something that you were just about to explain isn't real? Well, it's it, there's an argument about like to what what's the value of discussing it as a real. Social oh, is this phenomenon. like weird incel shit? It, I don't know. I probably that's probably where it comes out of because basically dudes 
tried to create a term that was creep shaming that was like the equivalent of slut shaming, which is the feeling that men feel when they get pushed away for being awkward or unsuccessfully making romantic overtures to women. They being treated like they are somehow monstrous or ungainly for that. They wanted to call that creep shaming as an analogy to slut shaming. The idea being that it's not it's not cool or socially fair to creep shame someone. And so this was in the back of my... That sounds like bullshit justifications for people who want to be more rapey in conversations. Yeah. So then the so then that's where I got my... That's when you were all like, but there's good creeps out there. I was a little bit well, uncomfortable. I, I think I kind of consider myself a good creep because I'm... If all, anyone is. I'm always concerned about feeling creepy. I just am. I feel like I'm weird looking. Yes. And I slouch and I'm shy, which makes me like seem standoffish. And so when I want to talk to somebody, it's like a real... It's a real slow, slinky approach to like, hey, what's up? I'm just trying to have a conversation here, but I'm intimidated by you. And then I remember like even people who like I'm getting to know, like I mean, someone was talking about a uh, some kids movie. I don't know. And I, I and something just sparked in my head. And I was like, you know, what's weird about kids movies is the ones with animals in them. You never see animal dick. That means there's like a guy that has to go through all the footage and just look at animal dicks all day and make sure that they don't appear. Like it's a job to be the dick remover. And then that guy stopped talking to me. And I was like, fair, fair, you know, not hurting anybody. I just have a mind that goes there. And I like to, I like to think that's a good creep kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's a lot of socially awkward men. That's like a deep phobia of theirs is that like, I mean, I feel it when I, it's like, I feel like. I have like a mask over my weird lizard face and it just the longer I talk the more the mask yeah. slips off and I'm just like I'm so so sorry I'm trying to keep trying to keep everyone from seeing what an awkward lizard monster I am but it's just yeah. you know standard slip it's hard to concentrate so I think that's a pretty common fear I guess that's what's trying to bring this back to the show somehow you're a champ I guess that's what's weird about Wallowitz is that he is unapologetically creepy like, I don't know any dude who, if you were like, hey, stop being such a fucking creep, wouldn't at least, like, go back to his room and immediately, like, cry about it. But, so... And he's just like, what? What's wrong with being a creep? In Wallowitz's defense, which, I'm going to say this, like, if this is just who he honestly is, and he's not trying to put on airs about, like, needing to be hypersexual and thinking that's, like, a cool thing, if he's unaware of it... And no one points it out. How can he change? Like, I think maybe someone has to set him aside and be like, what you do, this thing makes people uncomfortable. And here's the reason why. Instead, they're just like, oh, Wallowitz, you scamp. We're all disgusted by you. And he's like, yeah, it's a living. Like, it's Yes, I started to say, what? But that's so unrealistic. The idea that someone could just be going around creeping on everybody and no one would ever call him on his butt. And I was like, oh. Yeah, no, yeah, that it's a totally normal and regular thing. There's a giant movie trying to deal with it right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's dark, but it's real. I was listening to a uh, so I I don't you can decide whether you need to edit this out because it's about a Facebook conversation that someone well, was having talking about. Um, we'll, we'll see if it's interesting at all. And so he was talking about his uh, drunken relative of his having an argument with. A uh, female relative of his trying to keep things general. And she was like, yeah, I got sexual – he was like, sexual harassment isn't a real thing. She was like, I got sexually harassed. Here's this thing I've never talked about before, but this totally happened to me. And his response was, well, at least you know you're attractive. And I'm like, that is like the – that's the people – 
Who, I bet that guy fucking loves the Big Bang Theory. I that, think it's his favorite show on television. That guy was just doing his best to be supportive. He was trying to take lemons and turn them into lemonade. All right? He's on the good creepy scale. He's a, <laughs> no! He's, he's a, he's a, he's a tone-deaf, insensitive, hurtful monster. Just doing his best. Yeah, that sucks. That's... But I don't know. It's unwanted sexual advances for me. It's like, I'm not into this. But it's nice that I have this option. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think the difference is that it's so much more, less common as a dude and to, like, feel you have more control over the Well, yeah, I think it's the control. I think it's, like, the few times, like, someone has come out, it's like, if I wanted to, I could literally, like, throw you across the room. Holy so, like, shit! That didn't come into the calculus! I was just like, it's socially acceptable for me to say no. No, I mean, I was like, so this is the thing that I was at the gym once. I was taking a shower in the dude's locker room, and there was a guy in the corner of the sh- of another shower. looking at you and jerking it. Yes. I've told you this before. We've never oh, talked no, about it on no, the show. Oh, no. No, we haven't. Is that really what was happening? Yeah. That rules. I he mean, I'm just, sorry, but holy shit. He just started staring at me and masturbating. <laughs> I'm so. This is a traumatic thing that I'm laughing about. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's it just, wasn't traumatic at all. That's just like no. the worst thing I could have imagined, and then it's exactly what happened. No, the worst <laughs> thing was the sound of him going for the little, like you know, there are those soap dispensers and like public bathrooms. This playing because he was using it to loop up his dick. Oh goodness! And, so he, and like, he needed yeah. to like keep supplying his. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, Kyle, I'm sorry. No! So I was like, well, this is strange. I should probably feel uncomfortable about this. (laughs) Like, I don't feel that uncomfortable. It's like, I understand why this is happening. Like, I I work out a lot. Your your reaction is reasonable. It was like, man, I did just deadlift 400 pounds. I bet my abs look pretty nice right now. Oh, there's the steam in the room. I'm glistening. We We can't deny this. Like, It's like, I'm not... It's like, I am not into this at yeah. all, but at the same time, what a nice compliment. And then I was, like, trying to parse out, well, but shouldn't I at least feel a little bit upset about this? I was like, now what's he going to do? Like, walk across the room and try to, like, the worst case scenario is he, like, charges at me, and then I will, you know, go fucking Eastern Promises on him and beat him up in the shower. Like, you know, one you're, you're, big naked man just murdering another man in a shower. Your go-to thing for physical violence, man. Like, I, I think the appropriate thing to do, because I would do it, and I'm always correct, is just, like, let it happen, and but really the whole time be like, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, that's... No, I was told, the one thing, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not wash my junk as well as I normally do. It's like, I'm going to keep it strictly in the shampooing and the chest area, and then I'm going to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, but I'm going to have a stink dick. <laughs> all right? Hey, what's up? You obviously like keeping your dick clean with all the soap you're using. Not me, all right? And guess what? I'm uncut. And no, I don't know how to correctly treat that area. <laughs> and then as I was walking away, I was like, I wonder if this all... Because I was, at the very start of my... As I often do, I was like whistling to myself in the shower. I was like, did I give off some kind of secret gay signal? I don't think so, but... I like that idea a lot. <laughs> Which It's like, was I asking for this in a language that I don't speak? Yeah. I mean, you were, but it was the language of, of nature, pheromones. But I, well, I don't want to go too much further than this, but as, as far as we're talking about funny sexual assaults, um, so I, I think I brought this up before, 
I've been sexually assaulted before. It's weird. But the weirdest thing about it was for the longest time, I was like, this is a funny thing I'm going to tell jokes about. And I wasn't ever really that funny. And we were like friends talking to the ones about it. And I was like, yeah, it was this weird madcap misunderstanding. It's like, really? Because it sounds like someone sexually assaulted you. And I was like, I guess you could see it that way. I mean, I did freeze up and just hoped he wouldn't notice I was there with him anymore. But it was silly. I was wearing a Batman t-shirt. That added to the, the goofs. But yeah, the idea that like, this wasn't like a bad thing that was upsetting. The whole time it was just kind of like, yeah, silly good time. Waka waka. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think men aren't like, we're not generally like socialized to be par- like as afraid and as terrified about it in general. And also again, like I said, at least for me, I can murder anyone who tries to sexually assault me. So I'm not that worried about it. Like I have like six different ways. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu begins with the assumption that someone is trying to force like their pelvis area into your pelvis area really fast. And then you choke them to death with your legs. This is also unsavory. You've got to go back and find that doctor because you obviously both fucking love murdering. Like that's, I bet she had the same feelings for you. And it's very unfortunate you didn't hash all that out because this sounds I don't know how long ago this happened. I don't know if it was in this town, but you got to find her, man. That's, I don't know. I, we don't know each other that well, but I know you well enough that I think you're, you're real special. You know, (laughs) I think you deserve, I think you deserve love. And I think this lady is the way. So just, if anyone uh, is listening to this and knows who this person is, send them our way or specifically Kyle's way, because he's, he just really wants to see the spark go out in someone's eyes and be holding another person's hands while it's happening. What's, what's this show? Do we watch a TV show? <laughs> Raj is kind of a jerk in this one. <laughs> Where, um, what do we talk about? He's an asshole? Yeah, done. Like, it's weird that the show... So, Wallowitz, at least, they established early on, this is the creepy character whose only plot thing is that he sexually harasses people. That was a weird, like, tag to hang on someone. But Raj, actually, it was like, they start off, dude can't talk to women. And then they they were like, well, that's not... I guess they were like, at some point, like, that's not enough characterization to keep this going. So, like, the one additional thing they have added to his character is, oh, he can talk to women when he's drunk. Raj sucks. They need to do something eventually. I'm just wondering, what do you think Wallowitz is like when he's drunk? Or Leonard? So we mentioned we talked about earlier, like about what kind of creepy is, and I think there's been some evidence in other episodes to me that suggests that his creepiness really is a facade. That like that's what he thinks he needs to do to like hit on ladies. He's like, and so I think that if you were to do the creepiness, uh, no, if you if you get him to get him drunk, the creepiness would melt away, and then you'd deal with like this. This gentle, insecure man who just really does not know what the hell he's doing. Well, that would be a great uh, – so as long as we're – since this episode is terrible, let's imagine better episodes of The Big Bang Theory. You know what would be a great episode? What's that, Kyle? Wallowitz is talking to Penny, and he's had a few too many drinks. He's like, look, I just wanted to tell you I'm sorry I'm such a you know a weird sexual monster all the time. I'm just – I'm really scared around women. They scare me. Just heart to heart. It's like, you're beautiful and you're a wonderful person. You remind me of this poem. And it just turns out that he's like, you know, not like a, not like a great player or anything, but he's just like a decent, warm, like you said, you know, a sensitive and sort of, and really vulnerable. And he just completely opens up and yes. Penny and him share a moment. And then he's like, oh, this was the one time a year when I drink and I can never do this again. Yes. And she's like, she keeps trying to get him drunk because she wants the other 
the other mm-hmm. Wallowitz back. But he's like, no, you don't understand. I, I don't like being that and, guy. And in the meantime, because... Just she, show me your tits, Penny. That's all that matters about us. Because they had this bonding moment, and she opened himself up to him just a little bit more on that one occasion. He sees that as his end to be even creepier and more aggressive during... So, like, not only does she want him to be more drunk so she can get to better know him, but because the the uh, danger rate has gone from yellow to orange now because he's like, oh, yeah, we totally hung out once and she put her hand on my knee. And so now, like, her tits are fair game, you know, like that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this. It would be this real tragic moment. Yeah. And then it would be a real thing, like an, uh, uh, an actual emotional issue among the crew that they have to resolve. There would be stakes, <laughs> something this show almost never has. Like, like refuses to have. Like, even in this episode, there's a moment where it looks like there's going to be, like, some real psychological tension because Raj has run this 30 under 30 award. Yes. Um, everybody is obviously just a little bit jealous yes. of the attention he receives for the award. And they're trying their best to just swallow that and be supportive, but they're all sort of bad at it, each in their own way. You know, Wallowitz wants credit for the for the contributions that he made towards the mechanical design of the telescope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheldon doesn't think it's important at all. And uh, they never really talk about Leonard, but I'm assuming yeah. Leonard is in the same category of, I totally do stuff all the time. That's more important than this. And no one ever wants to put me in a magazine. I, I think he's, I, I think he's more genuinely supportive, but cannot, if he has any flaw, it's not being able to keep the, the facade up long enough after Raj starts being a dick. Yeah, so, but the point, it's all, it becomes, like, all of those things are really, like, I can imagine that's a genuine emotion. Like, minor envy, sense of loss, sense of getting older, sense of not keeping up with your peers. But they throw all of that aside for, no, Raj really can't handle the fame, and he's just the total stereotypical dick. Yeah, there's everything that they could have been bitter about, and maybe even in some cases would have been justifiably bitter about, never comes to the forefront. Like, if, or no, even unjustifiably, if... If they had let Sheldon continue to be an open jerk about this and didn't teach him how to really poorly fake smile through all of it, like if if that conflict persisted throughout the episode, that would be the substance of a plot, like resolving that. Instead, it comes up and within 30 seconds they have a solution that works. And they keep it going through the episode, and all of that tension is gone. And then the only, then they halfway through, they bring in this new thing about like, oh, what's going to happen between Penny and Raj? Is it going to hurt Leonard's feelings? And that's like five minutes of the episode. Matt doesn't go anywhere either. Well, it does go to him to a really another one of those scenes that from the distant future of 2018 is a little awkward, which is she enters his apartment. Or they, she takes him home because he's so drunk, and she's like, "Okay, I'm leaving now. I'm really not into this." He's like, "No, no, stay and let's make out. I'm gonna make a really clumsy pass at you because I feel entitled now that I'm all successful." Yeah, yeah. I guess this is a good time to talk about. I think a very complicated racist joke in this episode. Okay. Which is, uh, I can't remember exactly why it happens, but. Wallowitz refers to, so I, I think it's after Raj is already going out with Penny for the 30 under 30 thing. And Wallowitz calls him something like a, like a doctor, a who from the Simpsons or something like that. Yes. 
uh, I think Leonard points out, that's racist. Like, yeah, he uses the word racist the first time that the word has been used time. on this show. Yeah, no matter how many times it's happened, this is this was the one thing that was beyond the pale for the characters. And let's be clear, Wallowitz of all of them is the one who has been the most openly racist before. Yes. What with his, can't introduce you to the man who freed your people. But uh, Right. And Wallowitz's response to being called on the racism is, but he's a beloved – no, it's not. He's a beloved Simpsons character. And I wonder how much of that was done with actual awareness and criticism of the of Apu versus, like, making fun of people who would feel offended by the portrayal of Apu. And the fact that it's so ambiguous, I think, speaks directly to how poorly the show – handled it in this situation and generally does because they're racist all the time and no one cares. And so like this one time where there seems to be some sort of acknowledgement of it, I don't know what they're trying to do. Maybe it was a throwaway line and I'm thinking too hard about it. Yeah. I started to say, this is also the joke or this is, I, that joke feels to me like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, because they're like, Oh, we're, we're more, we're more advanced than the Simpsons because our character is not a total Indian stereotype. And also played by an actual man of Indian descent, as opposed to Hank Azaria doing uh-huh. a doing a bad impression. What you but, just uh, described, I think, is a whole nother level above the amount of thought that I think they put into it. But well, yeah, maybe they're not. But um, but I mean, that is one of the I will say one of the few claims to being any kind of progressive that the show has is I don't know any other sitcoms at the time it came out or really. Uh, that many since that actually had like an Indian character in their core cast. Uh, are we forgetting about that '70s show? Okay, well that car- speaking of weird racial caricatures, oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, where is that guy from? I don't remember. I feel like it's part of the joke that you don't know exactly where he's from, but I that sounds remember. right. Yeah, or... and this is also the same episode where Raj he's given a new assistant who he calls his lackey and they're like, you can't call someone a lackey. And he goes like, Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not cool? In my country, we just call them untouchables. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't like, maybe I should double check with some of my, uh, my friends who are native citizens of the country of India, but I don't think they actually spend a lot of time making jokes about untouchables. So it's, well, that's why you go to the U S to do it. (laughs) Raj is a piece of shit. It's just like, that's a, yeah, it just it feels like a joke. Like, ah, here's a joke for an American audience that knows mm. like four things about uh, Indians in general. Probably because they saw the movie Gandhi, where he was played by uh, Ben Kingsley. Oh, and one of the things they know is that there are untouchables in India. So we'll just throw that in, and then everybody will feel smart because they got the joke. Well, and so this this made me think of something else, which uh, I will loosely tie to one of Camille uh, Nanjiani's jokes about. Freddy Krueger and how in Freddy versus Jason before he's about to murder Kelly Rowland, who herself drops a homophobic F bomb in that movie for like no good reason that everyone like now gets real upset about. Bef- in Freddy versus Jason. Yes. I have seen that. Yeah. But just before he's about to kill her, he says something about like, Oh, how sweet dark meat. And people, you know, like, well, that's very racist. But as Camille Nanjiani points out, He's a child murderer. <laughs> like, the racism isn't the thing that's bad about him. It's not great. It's not it's, great. It's, it's but like as far as we're like... Perspective. Exactly. As far as we're judging behavior. And so that makes me think, like, if it's possible that Raj making what might be a very 
unsavory reference reference to this this untouchable class. I'm gonna admit I don't really know anything about. That maybe he just is a piece of shit. And so like when he does something racist, like he might get offended as the audience because yes, it's racist, but if he's just a bad person, like you should expect that. Yes. Although, well, so this is a, there's a whole media criticism about to what to what extent does TV have a responsibility to stop normalizing people being shitty? But that's uh, basically sitcoms have never really risen to that bar in their entire history. They are definitely on team. Let's normalize shitty people. So yeah, I don't know. I'm uncomfortable with the idea of media being aspirational. Also, because like part of, like part of the reason you create television shows and books and everything is so you have like a safe way to deal with shitty things. It's so you can. I don't know. I've never gotten trouble once because I uh, I once had a guy don't know who he was came out of the bar. Uh, sort of harassing me. I was like walking this lady home after a shitty date. It was cool though, because she totally tried to fight this guy where I just stood in disbelief after he punched me in the jaw uh, and called me an, an F-bomb. And that was like some of the first stand-up I was doing was about that. And I, I'd bring up that he called me the thing and people would get offended that I said it at all. And I'm like, but like it happened to me. Like that's yes, that's a, like. Uh, am I supposed to like change my story because it to like make yes. you more comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. I just finished reading Stephen King's book about writing, and he talks about he gets a lot of angry letters for like the amount of like like the number of times characters in his books say like racist or homophobic or awful things. And he's like you, like you said with Jay. He's like you realize there terrible people also not real yeah and not really doing these things but also this is just truth that exists now in stephen king's defense and sort of in your defense like there's like some higher i mean there's pretentious i think stephen king's does think his books aspire to be art big bang theory doesn't aspire to be no, art, so they no. do not have they do not have quite as high a liability shield of, yeah we're representing reality as no no as it as it is we're well, a reflection of the of the cultural psyche. And, and to go back into with what I was saying about whether Raj like is just supposed to be a not good person. And that's built in. That is me giving it an incredibly optimistic interpretation. That is like me assuming for a moment that the writers wanted to make this fully fleshed out character with flaws that could be addressed and either something that the group needs to accept or work on. But no, they, they just like threw in a racist joke. And then the question is, just how racist. Yeah. Boy, you know, I think for this show, this episode, just being garbage, we've done pretty great about milking it for all it's worth. We tried, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so I think there's only other one specific thing that we were going to address that, that I know about the episode, if, unless there's anything else random we want to talk about, which is what the fuck was up with that random Charlie Sheen cameo that oh, happens? Oh, yeah. It's... So Raj is when he's having his little celebration guy with the pals who all take off because they're fed up with him being such a uh, the fame going to his head so quickly. The moment they take off, uh, Raj turns to a stranger to his left and says, hey, I've been nominated for 30 under 30. Isn't that I'm going to get this photo shoot and people isn't that great? And Charlie Sheen turns (laughs) around to say something like, wait, wait till you're on the cover or something like just some garbage throwaway line. And I don't know why. Like, was it? You were so, I, so it wasn't just that this, so it was kind of a, I was basically predicting that was going to happen because the setup of, hey, I'm about to be famous because I'm in people demands that the person who is saying it to is more famous than him. 
but it was surprising that it was Charlie Sheen. Um, maybe it would have been less surprising at the time, but I was like, well, this is a little, it's, this, this is a little weird, but I couldn't focus on that because all I could focus on was Nick just yelling, oh, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, like six times. He was like one of those dogs that like sees a person in a hat that he doesn't like and just loses his shit for a minute. Because why? Why any of it? Like, is it, was two and a half men on at the time? Yes. Well, okay, so that that's is a some, lot. That is almost everything to do with it. Because that's also a show I've never watched. And it's and, by the same people who make this show. Yeah, so and I so then, that's almost like 90% of the reason. And so that's like, you know, for me, it catches me completely off guard because I don't go in even thinking about the connection between the shows with, you know, not a literal world connection, but just that they have like the same producers and network and everything. I mean, they're probably set in the same cinematic universe. Probably. But then on top of that, that, you know, it's it's Charlie Sheen, who just sucks anyway. But also, like, if you want it to be a joke, like, it could be someone that one of the nerds would be blown away by. Yeah, that would be, if it were like, if it were like Patrick Stewart. Yeah, or if, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson were already a celebrity at that point, like, something like that. But to just have, like, Charlie Sheen turn around and be like, hey, everyone knows who I am. It's, ah... Uh, I, I can't explain why it gets to me so bad. And maybe it's because like it's just it's just so lazy and meaningless. And I don't like like what it, like it could have been like share, and I'd be like, so what the f- why? What the fuck? I'd be I, less upset if it were share. I started to say I was thinking about it's weird that you mentioned share because I was thinking about the time share cameoed on Will and Grace, and that was oh. a great fucking cameo because there's a whole joke about how Jack is so in love with share that he carries around a doll with him that. Isn't that has like a share haircut and he insists this is share and she has to have her own seat at the table and everything else. And then one day he's doing that at a restaurant and Cher walks up and she's like, What's with the doll, man? And he refuses to recognize that it's really sh- this is how you set up a cameo because he's like, You're not really share, you're just some share wannabe who just happens to look like her and he treats her incredibly contemptuously even after. She sings a little bit of If I Could Turn Back Time. He's like, that's not what Cher really sounds like. I can do a better Cher impression than that. And so it's all about like how he is so incredibly obsessed with Cher and so stuck up about it. Yeah. It doesn't – he's not able to see the real deal. So that's how you set up a cameo. And, and Kyle, I'm, I'm glad you just brought that up because that actually uh, helps me set up uh, another thing, which is uh, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond earlier today, and unlike – recognizing that the real share was, was the real share. When I was outside of the building about to walk in, I saw this, this mannequin in the window and I was like, Oh, that's mannequin cool right up front. Whatever. They didn't think about it. but just noted it. And then when I went into the door, I squeaked when the mannequin spoke to me because it was just a very still standing man <laughs> who was like the greeter and then I, he asked me if I needed any help, and I just ran away <laughs> because I wasn't ready for it. And then I wondered how he feels if he knew why I didn't. Like, what if he knows he looks like a mannequin? You know? No, I, I can't have been the first. Yeah, I think I actually think it's more likely that he was a mannequin, and you just walk through the threshold at the exact time of day that the magic spell takes place, which turns him into yeah. a real person. Yeah. Now he and I have to have a madcap romantic adventure. Absolutely. But, uh, another thing is that the reason I was at Bed Bath and Beyond is because it was Kyle's birthday this week, oh, and you're getting a surprise present. Ah! 
<laughs> uh, since this is a no, I'm just not gonna tell you why I got no. This is an audio medium, as they like to say. So Nick has kindly got me for my birthday something I desperately need, which is a miracle fold hand folder thingy like the kind they use in the show, which I can use to fold all my shirts. Yes, Thanks, buddy. The incredibly uh, helpful-looking device that was brought up as a huge joke. And I think on that episode, we both talked about how helpful that would be. And yeah, I've worn one of these for a legitimately long amount of time. Well, so. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I didn't need to know you well enough to have such a deep emotional connection that I could get at something that would t- touch the, the, the depths of your heart, but that through this show... I recognized that we were both pretty impressed by that thing. Yeah. Now you got one, baby! Ah, hug time! Oh, hug time. Ah, happy birthday, Kyle. Thank you. Well, we should take a brief moment to, again, to encourage people to reach out to us on social media. We got a Twitter. We what, BB Theory Squared, is yes. that it? And we got our Facebook page now. Uh, after the last episode where uh, we brought up a few sec- – well, I brought up a few sexual terms that Kyle didn't understand, such as the rusty trombone, someone was kind enough to screen cap the Urban Dictionary definition so he could teach Kyle. Kyle, how do you feel now that you know what a rusty trombone is? Just sad. Really? Yeah. That sounds like a thing the person would like, though. Yeah, it's just a weird name. What would you call it? I – you know, the – I don't know. All right. Well, how about this? This – when, whenever you are with your next sexual partner, request it, and then just see what comes to mind. I bet if anything, you'll end up calling it the Ugh. But that's hard to spell. How many G's and how many H's, you know? I think I just killed Kyle. He is, he's just curling up into a ball and refusing to look at me now. And I was in the fetal position. Maybe this is the moment where we should start with our happy thing for the week and i'll begin and hopefully that'll be happy enough that kyle will come out of this state it's months behind but i had a little time off this week and i watched the entire second season of glow and that's going to be my happy thing because i don't think i liked it as much as the first season and you and i talked about how there were some strange plot contrivances that started the season off and as much as i did like the first few episodes there was also a few moments where i thought to myself what the fuck is this but overall, that is a delightful show. Alison Brie continues to be great, though she does bring up the issue that I always think about when I watch her in the show, which is really silly going to Alison Brie when you wanted to have the, the average kind of frumpy person. Like, I'm convinced they had to, like, they have to do, like, a little bit of, like, uglying up for her. Well, can I... It's a whatever, yeah. I mean, I know this because she's talked about it on various other podcasts. She really went after, like, she auditioned for that role. I've heard this. And yes. they were like, we're sorry, you are absolutely not what we are looking for in this role. And she was like, but I think I can do a really good job. And basically, like, she had to work really hard to get it. And I think a lot of what convinced them is the level of manic desperation that she put in trying to get herself cast sort of yeah. reminded them of, the manic desperation of the character yeah. in the show. And, so and that's like, I guess it works. No, but she, yeah, she's, she's great at definitely, that. For someone whose whole thing is is just a mousy, unattractive, not hot enough to be in Hollywood person, she doesn't entirely sell. Yeah, it's. I think it was more of a problem at the beginning of the, the first episode where they just kept trying to emphasize exactly how unexceptional she is. And it's like, come on! Like, if this is supposed to be the show about, like, real women out there doing it for themselves. Like that, that's a weird, that's a weird leg to stand on. 
But aside from that, it's delightful. They, and they have a, a new character who comes in. Her name's Yolanda. And she's a goddamn dance ninja. And it's great. Uh, so, I don't know. If people started watching Glow and they weren't sold on it, uh, I'd say keep going because I find it really charming and fun. Do you have a happy thing? Uh, I do. I finished recently, um, after for what felt like forever, um, I finished the second half of Dan Simmons' Olympos or Ilium. I don't know. It's two books. One of them, the first one is Ilium, the second is Olympos. And, uh, yeah, pretty good science, fi- uh, science fiction. His books are really hard. Like, Dan Simmons is generally acknowledged to be one of the greatest science fiction horror writers of the late 20th, early 21st century, but unlike uh, Stephen King or other people in that category, his books are incredibly long and meandering and contain a lot of, like, pretentious literary references and overcomplications that make them just really hard for even people who are really into the general ideas in them to get through. So I totally understand why he's not everybody's favorite person. Also... Just a little bit racist. Hmm. Just gonna throw that out there. A little bit Islamophobic. Crops uh, up here and there. So not. I'm. I'm really selling how much I like this you, book. You just, remind, you just remind me. I need to do my follow up research on exactly how big of a piece of shit Frank Miller is. Yeah, it's probably not. So, um, aside from all of that, he writes some really good uh, science fiction. So, and I've read a couple of his books now that I've really liked. Uh, Ilium. Uh, is this science fiction epic that takes place across a couple of different perspectives. Um, but the main, the main plot point is that a bunch of incredibly advanced beings who are, are cosplaying as Olympian gods on the planet Mars and have decided to completely reenact the Trojan War, complete with recreating human life and instilling that life with, like, the divine powers of the Homeric heroes just so they can, like, do the Trojan War again. And they have actually, like, resurrected some scholars from throughout history who are experts on Homer to just check in and let them know how they're doing and how, you know, close to the plot of the original book they're hewing and is everything okay. And so it ping-pongs back between back and forth between that and, like, some stuff that's going on on Earth where most of the human population has been wiped out and replaced with these incredibly complacent and long-lived humans who don't even know how to read and then there are some robots in space who like to talk about proust and shakespeare so oh you had me until then yeah i mean that's definitely the part you know there's some shakespeare references and it's all it's all pretty good when i got to the end i was like that was a satisfying read but i'm not like it was also 2,000 pages of my life that i will never get back but i thought it was worth it for myself but it's not a completely non-subjective thing it's just like if you're looking for something that's long and intense and contains a lot of crazy science fiction ideas that you've never seen all in one place i would recommend it or if you're just like a huge like homer fanboy like i am then there's a lot to recommend it good good well we got to wrap up and so something that we haven't been doing recently is seeing how upset we get by the actual name of the episode oh yeah i forgot about that and for people who liked it and wonder why we weren't doing it it's because when I got all these episodes, the final names included the actual episode titles in them, and this was always spoiled for us. And so now I went out of my way and removed all the episode titles so we could pretend at least to surprise each other with this. So actually, I don't know what this episode is called. Do you? Uh, I'm going to go with – oh, no, I don't have 
It's always a throwaway joke that I don't think is very funny. Yeah. Um, what's a throwaway joke in this episode? That something about uh, the I don't know the fucking dumpling paradigm. Ooh, yeah, I was gonna say Schrodinger's dumplings. <laughs> I guess we. I got, it's good we both focused on the dumplings. I bet it's dumpling related. You ready? Yes. Uh, episode four of season two of the Big Bang Theory is called. The Griffin Equivalency. Okay, so that's that's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I mean, it is bad. It's just not as bad as others. Yeah, I don't even think we ever... So Sheldon tells a story in his, in his whatever. He talks about how when he was a kid, he wanted to genetically engineer a Griffin. Yeah. And so they should genetically engineer a new friend for themselves who's better than Raj or replace him with a robot. Why not just have the extra third of a dumpling, you know? <laughs> because it doesn't act... It's just mathematically... I a whole problem. Here's a bigger question: Why is Wallowitz the Sheldon has got to be more racist than Wallowitz in the grand scheme of things? That's dangerous because I think um, if Wallowitz is racist, it might be uh, like an Israel-Palestine kind of racism, and and also maybe a very like playfully ignorant kind of racism, like with the handing the the bill and this is the person to flee your people, that kind of thing. But with Sheldon. Any racism that he might have, he would want to base in some sort of fact. And so he would definitely be like a modern, like... Yeah, like a Charles Murray type racist or or what's that other fucking guy? Uh, Like he he would absolutely be like some sort of eugenicist. Yeah. It was like the only reason that we think these old practices are racist is because we didn't develop the techniques well enough to objectively find the distinctions between the races. People who relied on phrenology were being ridiculous. Yeah, and that's but a, I can tell you exactly. And that's why. exactly. Well, I'm, I'm not. That's exactly. I'm, is there anything about that that doesn't sound like it would be totally consistent with Sheldon's character? No, I'm, I'm not saying it wouldn't be. I, just, I actually think I'm thinking you're 100 right. It's Sheldon. just like it's just like with his incredibly with his his deeply obsessive grasp of of science, but his terrible grasp of human nature and basic anthropology. It just seems like you would 100% latch on to really shallow scientific theories about race and race relations. But on the positive side, in spite of that racism, he did try to come up with a workable uh, Palestine-Israel solution through the the duplication of uh, Jerusalem, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. In Mexico or something like that. Melting pot. Not racist. You know what? Sheldon, racist superhero.